It is often said that uh, in the Premier League there is always a crisis club and the end goal of every club is not to be the crisis club that week. With that in mind, welcome to the Talkie Taka podcast listeners. On the depleted looking panel today, we have Ashwin. Hey Ashwin, how's it going? I wanted to say going great, Swag, but I don't think I can. And we also have Radhaji, who's dressed up in full kit, trying to get set to watch a match in a competition he said he doesn't care about. Hey Radhaji, how's it going? Excuse me, that is not true whatsoever. I do care about it. It's not like a Carabao kind of situation. But anyway, even Carabao, once the once the match starts, you're all in. So, but yeah, I'm yeah. actually pretty excited about the Europa. Excited about, as you can see, excited about the match later tonight as well. A uh, lot of people that I want to see play for Liverpool who haven't played too often, like Gravenberg and Endo and stuff like that. So yeah, pretty excited about this season's Carabao um, and Europa. <laughs> the Carabao Cup. Catching strays there in Radhaji's comments. Uh, talking of uh, strays, I'll start off the talkie point discussion this week. Uh, there's absolutely no Chelsea content I can share. So I'll go for the Lazio keeper scoring an equalizer in the 94th minute. And apparently now numerologists are after his case. Apparently he was born in 94. His uh, it it was the 94th minute. It was there were some more nines and fours and stuff like that. But uh, numerology aside, it was a great moment and a great finish. And I think uh, none of us begrudged Atletico Madrid not getting the three points. So so that was fun. And Sari slightly happier than he was two minutes ago. So, yeah, that's my talkie point. Uh, Radhaji, what's yours? Yeah, my talkie moment, I was going to go for that one, but uh, you stole it from under my uh, under my eyes. So, I'll go for my backup. And my backup was John Duran. I mean, I don't know whether you guys caught his goal. Uh, chest and left foot volley throwback to one of those epic Van Persie kind of goals from the edge of the box. Pretty amazing strike. It just thudded into the back of the net like an old school bullet. So yeah, absolutely love that goal. Um, one of the goals of the season so far. So that's my talkie moment. Yeah, I don't think we can ever call him John Duran. I think automatically you have to call him John Duran Duran. Anyway, Ashwin, what's your talkie point going to be? Yeah, before the before the United Bayern game, I was going to go for the Bayern. Bayern Munich and Bayern Leverkusen game because that was a really interesting game to watch as well. Uh, but of course, uh, the game that we had yesterday, uh, it it seems like a very flattering uh, scoreline, the 4-3. But I think it was great to uh, to see seven goals. There could have been more that were scored. There could have been less goals conceded from the United standpoint as well. Uh, but yeah, the 4-3 uh, for United versus Bayern. Um, Two former heavyweights, I would say. Uh, uh, it was it was a good it was a good game to watch. Contentious shout there, calling Bayern a former great. I don't know what our German listeners are going to make of that, particularly coming from the supporter of uh, the Bundesliga in this group. They, 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 they were there to be beaten. Like they they shouldn't have won the uh, league last time around. They're not as good as the Bayern Bayern Munich sides that we have faced before so yeah yeah 
Right, let's get into it. And you talked about United uh, should have beaten Bayern and stuff like that. So, in the last game, in the last week or so, I mean, we are meeting after the international break. Uh, you've had two games and two losses, uh, um, three goals conceded at home to Brighton, which, to be fair, before the game as well, you guys were saying that, yes, it looks more likely that Brighton will win it, even though to all non-United fans, it always seems like you guys are... Uh, Jinxing, had tip to RK. Uh, but yes, two losses, seven goals conceded in two games. It's not looking very rosy right now. Uh, it's not. And uh, there was this really uh, funny start, if I can call it, on social media that I was doing rounds that United have released more statements in 2023 than uh, away wins. So... Um... That doesn't read very well. I think everything that could possibly go wrong off-field has gone wrong. Uh, of course, with the Sancho situation, which we discussed last time out. Since then, we have had uh, the Anthony situation as well. Um, and then uh, so many injuries are not helping at all because Ten Hag clearly wants to play a style. Uh, and that style requires our best players to be on the pitch. We don't have Mason Mount. We don't have Amrambat available. We uh, we are missing Varan. We are missing Shaw. Hoyland uh, has just started a few games now, but he was also missing. So things are definitely not. Uh, the Brighton game was pretty telling in the sense that uh, Brighton clearly looked like the much more drilled and trained side, and and they got the win that they deserved. Uh, it could have been worse. I think Onana made a, a really good save towards the end. Although I'll, I have a few reservations over Onana as well, especially with what happened yesterday. We like the best part of last year. We have been talking about De Gea making all those howlers, and yesterday there was one howler from 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 Onana. I know he hasn't been pro- he has been bought for a totally different reason, but I mean that obviously changed the game quite a bit. Um, so I think yeah, it's it's not it's definitely not going Ten Hag's way. Uh, I know a lot of fans are have now started comparing Ten Hag's reign with what it was under Ole. I think it is even baffling to do that because Ole clearly had a ceiling. Uh, but yeah, if the results are not going Ten Hag's way, and they don't go his way soon. I mean, Premier League managers their days are numbered anyway, so. Um, yeah, here's hoping that something changes. Yeah, so like uh, about the game, the Brighton game, I think so we've all been talking about it for the last few weeks. We've seen that video as well on the, doing the rounds on YouTube about the tactic that, that Brighton, the trap that Brighton sets. Um, I mean, it's all nice in theory and all and I watched the video. I'm like, mm, okay, interesting. And I was looking for that during the game. Uh, because in the past, United have had a few occasions where pressing has been weak and they have very easily been played through. Um, in these two games, including the Bayern game, I don't think the pressing was that weak. Uh, it was it was, it was, was pretty decent. But there was a time where you could very clearly see the Brighton keeper and the central defenders just waiting inside their box and standing still, waiting for United to come on to them. And I was like, okay, this is a trap. And the first couple of times they didn't fall in. They stayed deep and they started the press maybe towards the uh, near the center circle. But the first time that they actually fell or that I noticed them actually go up to the keeper 
keeper played a simple straight pass, took three United pressers out of the game. And lo and behold, like around 40 seconds later, uh, Welbeck was tapping in the first goal. It's it's incredible how Brighton does this so so consistently. When the play started, I'm like, okay, yeah, okay, fine. He's gotten through three players, but surely this can't end up in a goal. Like, they can't be that good at doing this same thing. Then it happened again. This one was a little bit uh, crazier. I think they ended up having some 50-60 passes um, coming out from the keeper and then eventually uh, led to the goal, the second goal. That one was, I think, a very clear indication that United are not currently operating with the personnel that they would want. Um, so for a lot of reasons, the pressing was weak. I think people were tired. I think Casemiro looked he looks a shadow of the Casemiro of last season. He just a lot of pressing for the sake of pressing. I think uh, Rashford particularly uh, just ran towards players without really cutting out any angles, without any energy, without blocking off passing lanes. Casemiro didn't even run. He just jogged up to the players. Um, I think, I think the there was simple... a there was a screenshot. I didn't sorry, I didn't watch the game yesterday. I just saw the highlights, but there was uh, something being shared by some United fan pages where uh, McTominay is dispossessed by Upamecano in the middle of the park. And then Upamecano starts running towards the United goal. And at the starting point, both of them are obviously at the same point in the in the ground, as well as the ref. And like within three, four seconds, it's Upamecano running away. Even the ref is in front of McTominay. It's like, as you said, the pressing, it's, it's not as if it's non-existent, but it seems like there's no real intent there. It's 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 a lack of drive, and I don't know. Maybe it's the no, off-field so issues it's affecting just, it. It's not it's not just an intent thing. I think it's a lack of consistency within the game. It's like when you're fresh off the say the starting whistle or the halftime whistle, they've just heard a bunch of things and they just go out and execute for 10-15 minutes, and then they kind of fall back into a I'm just doing it to tick a box, perhaps. And I'm not going to blame everything primarily on the system yet because like I was saying, I think there's a, definitely a personnel problem. I think Ericsson was... Casemiro, for, for one, just absolutely did nothing to stop the second goal. He just ran sillily towards the guy without any aggression whatsoever. And then the pass, simple pass that comes in, Ericsson is just ball-watching. The uh, centre mid who's not Ericsson, whoever it may be, um, if McTominay is playing that position or if or if um, Sofian um, Amrabat is playing that position, the most natural thing to do is to, cut, to, to move towards the ball and cut out that angle. They didn't do that. So that's clearly a personal issue. But yeah, there are still problems with the whole tactical element as well. I think the we were all expecting a big change from last season to this season because this season is going to be the year that he has a squad, he has his players, it's going to play the way that he wanted couple of games now, United are just ticking boxes. They're pressing for the sake of pressing. I remember under the end of Ole's reign, uh, we were talking about them in similar capacities when Aaron Van Bissaka was just running for the sake of running. Like somebody told him you need to press, so he ran. But there was no combination of three people running, cutting down the angles, making it difficult for the player on the ball. And the best team to make use of this is Brighton. So I felt like they walked right into Brighton's trap and... They didn't execute and yeah, Brighton deservedly smashed them that day. Yeah. And just thinking about this, the tactical element, I don't know. I think it was RK who mentioned, someone mentioned this on the group that uh, last season as well, Ten Hag used to respond well to tactical changes by the opposition and he would, he would bring out something else 
of his own to counter that. This season, it seems like that's not happening. When when Deserby changed things around in that game, then he didn't seem to do much. And uh, as you said, that might be due to lack of personnel. Uh, Ashwin, when you said that, okay, Mount is missing, Abrabat is missing. I do also have a bit of concern about the makeup of the 11 so basically you have you you'll have your back four definitely fixed but let's say if you're playing with a midfield three bruno is definitely going to be in there if you have uh, casemiro who is off color anyway you need a guy who is running up and down all day long with full energy mount is injured and he used to do that role for chelsea but i don't see anyone who's in a condition to I'm do not, that right now i'm not so convinced about mount as well because a lot of i mean maybe with more control and more possession that will be a less relevant ask but the yeah. last few games they've needed a guy who's cutting down the angles and and closer to their own goal so is mount that guy i'm i'm wondering whether mount is actually the right fit for that uh, that role i think amrabat is a good is a good fit there but uh, then where then where do you play Mount? Because like you said, Bruno is going to play. So is Mount yeah. then going to go back to the pseudo winger kind of thing that he played a bit for Chelsea? Then then what about all the wingers that they have or all the attackers that they have? So yeah, I think there are a few question marks. I think everything will be answered once Sofian Amrabat is back and we see how they want to slot in together. Maybe just Casemiro's mobility is the problem. So are we even going to see a few games where Amrabat plays the six and Casemiro doesn't even play? I think a lot of questions will get answered. Um, currently, there are a lot of question marks for me to understand how exactly he wants to fit the likes of Casemiro, Amrabat, Mount. Um, I think one question mark that's gone away is um, the number nine. I think uh, the guy, he doesn't look like the most clinical or the best when it comes to, say, uh, playing aerial keeping the ball aerially and playing um, pa- uh, passes in at the final line as a target man. But he's, his running is really encouraging. His pressing is really encouraging. And he does have the size as well. So he can uh, pose a threat here and there. So I think that's the one big positive that's come out of all this. Just quickly before we move on, Lissandro Martinez is a worry for me too. I, I'm not, uh, he's nowhere close to the level that he's been for the entire of last season. I think he's struggling a bit as well. Again, they don't have Varane. So maybe there's a lot of churn and that's causing good players also to underperform. So you can't tell anything until the players get fit again. But maybe they don't get fit again. Like Liverpool went through a lot, a large part of last season without having some people around. So you just, so you can't just wait and say that, okay, once we get our players back, we'll become good. You need to find solutions. And I agree with RK. I don't think the solution, in-game solution um, finding is happening uh, anything close to what we saw last season? I think I think uh, the big issue that Tanag is kind of, kind of facing right now is um, aside from the in-game management, right? He's constantly uh, has to think about the next next issue to solve, right? That's what is happening. So you mentioned about Lisandro Martinez. That kind of originated from the fact that Rafael Varane is not there, so he there's no one around him who's calming things down, you know, and. Martinez is known for those swashbuckling tackles and he made a quite a few of them even last night uh, and they were like those proper defender uh, hot-blooded kind of tackles that uh, uh, that you would expect from him but if you if you have someone like Varan next to him right that would bring in that composure that is needed that wasn't hap- that isn't happening at this point in time I am I am definitely worried I remember like uh, I had asked this question in the group during preseason as well 
there was a there was a goal uh, that uh, we conceded. I think Onana had come forward quite a bit and he was lopped by one of the opposition players. And I remember posting in the group and asking, "Oh, are you guys worried about uh, about Onana?" And everyone was like, "He's fine. That's how he plays. You know that he 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 likes to uh, spray the ball around. He's probably one of those." Fifth defenders that you that we'll have, so I think we'll do good. So that is the strength he was supposed he supposedly brings into the team. But like you said, the primary job of a keeper is to save, right? And keepers would always be held accountable for the saves that it did not make. He made a lot of good saves, even in the Brighton game and in the Bayern Munich game last night. The scoreline could have been much worse. But those are the saves you are expected to make, right? So at this point in time, and whether that is because of the fact that we don't have the right personnel in in the right positions, uh, maybe we are not able to get the best out of Unana. But to me, it is really worrying that he's you know uh, letting shipping in those goals that he, he he did ship in, especially the one that happened last night. There is a. Um award-winning uh, Spanish goalkeeper who's available as a free agent so you can sign him outside the transfer window as well. But it goes by the name of David De Gea. I think yeah. he might be a good Legend. fit. I think he knows the place. Yeah, probably for like 100k more. <laughs> Sorry, less. Yes. I mean, I mean, just, just I think coming to Onana's defense, um, I don't think he was at fault for that lob. Um, he literally had no time to adjust whatsoever when the ball was given away and he was locked and he was in the right position position that's another point which actually i think this is a lot to do with the tactics of the team as well for a player or a, for a signing like onana the high line has to be pretty standard and and stable i'm finding it very difficult to understand the line that united are playing sometimes they appear too deep and i mean just the defenders so that means there's a huge gap between the defense and midfield i i felt that way for the goal um, the second goal and the third goal that brighton scored as well that there's a huge gap between the midfielders and and the defense um, so then why are the defenders pushing so deep when you have a sweeper keeper who's supposed to take up that space so are they even settled on that line? Uh, pressing is, of course, a question mark. Some of these things do go awry when you don't have your intended personnel. And I that I have experienced that, I think, a couple of seasons ago when you, when we had to change our entire core of the Liverpool team and everything went for a toss. All our tactics went for a toss. And a bit last season as well, when our midfielders couldn't press. But you can't go an entire season without solving it. And I think seeing that incremental improvement every game is what we're looking for and he is a coach who has shown incremental improvement in his first season so game on game you were able to see improvement so that's the part which i'm worried about me personally i'm not too worried about onana i think his fundamentals are strong uh, but yeah it's been a small sample set so we should we should wait and see i don't think his line and staying coming off his line is that much of a concern actually yeah Okay, moving on to another club, but 
uh, one which is in complete harmony right now arsenal they've made their comeback to the champions league after a long time i think the last game was the 8-2 against bayern if i'm not mistaken so coming back after so many years and having a good win it's it's just positive things right now at the club um, even uh, in the premier league they seem to be doing well um, they beat man united uh, they are uh, comfortably in the top 4 it seems like uh, yeah it, either they'll probably end up second again or they might push to challenge man city if things go their way we'll see but what are your thoughts on arsenal so, looking good so far this season yeah i think uh, um yeah they're definitely looking good they have the uh, points on the table to prove it right but uh, it is it, it, like it's still not they're still not the most convincing of all the teams out there so when you mentioned that would they be able to challenge city to the title on current evidence i would say no because city seem like really, really strong uh, they got a 1-0 win over over everton and everton with all all due respect to all evertonians including rada uh, i don't think i don't think they are like you know the team to beat out there right so and even the united game i I know they got the win. Three uh, one is a you know really good scoreline, but like they got it towards the end. So it's 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 not like they are convincingly convincingly beating teams out of the park. So yeah, I I would say like the jury is still out on whether they could be title challengers. I feel that even Spurs or Liverpool for that matter have been looking good at this point in time. So your guess is as good as mine as far as who can challenge City at this point in time. I'm I'm with uh, Ashwin on this. I'm not fully convinced about Arsenal yet, and I think again they have some questions yet to be answered. I think the arrival of Jesus really makes things easy. Um, he's clearly a level up on on Inketia. But what are they doing with um, Havertz with Fabio Vieira? The whole experiment with Thomas Partey is that going to continue? I think there are a few question marks um, there with Arsenal as well. I think stability wise um we are yet to see them get into the groove that they had gotten into the first half of last season. Uh that said their performance against PSV was just outstanding. It was an incredible display of attacking. I think all their attackers looked sharp. Um they were creating chances for fun. I think Odegaard is somebody who's seems to be stepping it up another level as well in a season where we're going to see a lot of action without KDB. I think Odegaard is there to take that mantle up as one of the premier players in the league um he's showing some good signs as well but yeah jury's out for me i think that midfield what they want to do with their eights and um, um fullbacks coming into midfield i think that part is still yet to be challenged i think united like ashwin said it was the first half could have gone in many ways and i think they were very good in the second half and they deserved the win Uh, but yeah they could have easily lost that game as well so yeah jury still out um coming to liverpool and spurs i think liverpool also jury still out a lot of things to prove spurs just because they're spurs i think jury will always be out till the 30th game is done but uh, they do look good i'm really enjoying what i'm seeing from spurs yeah so uh, we we planned to talk about liverpool and spurs later but why don't we do that now uh, spurs uh, portraying themselves as a club of positivity and uh, uncle ange talking about mental health uh, taking up 
uh, a public position that probably Harry Kane used to hold before Richarlison coming back to form scoring a goal creating another in stoppage time and not getting chalked off <laughs> and uh, if if he can get Richarlison working i mean there's there's not much that uncle ange can do wrong so liverpool uh, so spurs basically going from strength to strength of course the fact that they don't have europe to play in makes their task a little easier in terms of uh, game week uh, management but yeah there is still a long way to go but uh, positive signs so far yeah um <clears throat> yeah so um i love that uh, that stuff from ansh on the on the mental health i think he's coming across as a very very relatable and likable guy i think it's important to have that and i believe klopp is exactly the same when he first came to a struggling club when we were struggling um a lot presentation of your club and its values is the manager in his pre match conference post match conferences and that really builds a vibe around the place so liverpool fans were totally behind everything that klopp said so he in one of his um things he talked about turning doubters into believers a little later on he talked about you know mentality monsters it's these kinds of little things that the fans really latch onto and they just go all in behind and it it directs the fans um excitement and passion in towards the team in a positive manner so i i can't understate how good it is for them to have somebody like a ange postecoglou so impressive whenever he comes in front of the screen um then you come to on the pitch i mean uh i i i mean uh, although my fantasy premier league took a beating because madison didn't do shit uh, spurs are they've looked really good creating a lot of chances and this this weekend they pulled it out of the hat as well if they start pulling some of these off and it's only going to build their um their momentum and their self belief and as we saw with arsenal last season momentum and self belief is everything in this league like if you have a squad of good players the difference between being a 7th or 8th place team and being in the second or third spots is is that small you just have that go on a high momentum run uh, with very few distractions and and you keep delivering results when you're playing well and when you're not playing so well i i think it's an it's one to watch out for i think i mentioned it a couple of weeks ago i'm definitely watching out for spurs uh, don't underestimate the feel good factor and its impact on on the football as well okay i think with spurs the cla- it, this is a classic example of you know what happens when the uh, when when you're not playing under pressure like there's not too much expectations from them for this particular season uh they're not playing in europe so they have lesser games to play they have some really hungry and young players uh they want to get out of the hurricane shadow as well so i think that is definitely working out and also they have had a really kind fixture list uh so they played the likes of uh what burnley fulham uh man united i dare say and you know uh and then i think the the next big the next game that they are playing is obviously going to test the waters quite a bit because it's the north london derby and in any season you know that's that's, that's like the biggest game for any spurs fan uh, so i think that will be the first big test as to whether they can sustain this run or you know they go kaput yeah uh, so even that right if they lose the north london derby i don't think any spurs fan is going to be like oh man there goes our season literally it feels like everything is a bonus right now 
and that's yeah. the kind of mentality that people can really go from strength to strength like if you're not expecting anything and then you are in the shout for a top 4 i think that's a great season for them um i have always had my doubts about richarlison but son hyung min is going to be there or thereabouts and he's not under too much pressure because the others are delivering what about bisuma man bisuma suddenly looking like one of the best players in the league is is dribbling and his and his passing all of it is through the roof and we thought he was like a failed transfer as of last season so everything seems to be working for them uh, they have a lot of young kids who are just going to blindly take on what the manager uh, will say that's another that's one of the main reasons why pocho was so successful he had that kind of a setup at spurs as well so yeah i'm not going to get ahead of myself but for me a top 4 if they're there or thereabouts come the serious end of the season that that would be a very good season for them Okay, and what are your thoughts, uh, Rajiv? Quickly on Liverpool, and how do you think the season's gone so far? You can't complain for the results. I think um, when I, if you had told me, given the fixture list, we would go away to Chelsea and Newcastle, um, twi- like two big away games in the first five, and then come out with thirteen points, I would have bit your hand off. Um, a couple of games, um, I think the. that's that's the good stuff like the i'll come to more good stuff in a while but uh, i'll start with a few concerns every game we seem to be getting caught out at the beginning um and it feels like we're making some tactical errors to start the game and then we're sorting it out um so that is a bit of a concern for me i think uh, those fast starts i think bournemouth scored first against us um now uh, wolves has scored first against us of course newcastle scored first against us um so there is a lot of teams who are looking at liverpool and thinking okay the first 20 30 minutes i can really get at this team and we were literally inches away from going down 2-0 against wolves lucky for um, aster mateus cunha has his own problems and isn't able to finish a sitter like that and pedro neto was just outstanding he he ripped us a new one uh, in the in the game uh, all through the first half one of the worst first halves that i'd seen what i'm really ecstatic about is that how we reacted to that i was on my groups like furiously texting saying that it was a mistake to play mcallister he looks dead on his feet and at 45 minutes klopp made the change mcallister off and luis diaz on and we went full 442 um at well when in 55 minutes when we brought in darwin nunes and harvey we played a 442 uh back to the old days of football and it was so effective everybody was doing so well um, sobozlai went deep sobozlai who had his first poor half in a liverpool shirt i was wondering okay is this the game where um you know the law of averages kicks in but the second half he was outstanding he did everything that trent does um from a slightly deeper role in midfield and he's got a he's got a tank of an engine on him in Um, I think the way we recovered in the second half, all the things we were talking about, Ten Hag not finding the in-game solutions and turning over something which is looking a little negative, Klopp did that. And um, it has been a complaint of mine in the past that we wait too long to change things. That hasn't been a complaint at all this season. It also helps that I think all my times supporting Liverpool, this has been the best bench we've ever had. And I don't mean that you have like the likes of Salah coming off the bench, but the average quality of person that you have on the bench right now for liverpool or the five subs coming on for liverpool is really good quality like you had harvey elliot darwin you uh, you had konate coming on and replacing a jarrell konza who was very good all through you have these kinds of players coming off the bench and this is 
this is why i'm excited about the europa league and and um, carabao as well it's because this time i feel like this season when we go for these competitions we're not going to be seeing an under 18 guy who's just uh, you know just been picked up from um, the under 18s for one week and then sent back we're actually going to see proper first team players who are in our squad but aren't starting the weekend for um, uh, for the premier league so i'm i'm expecting gravenberg i'm expecting endo harvey elliot Uh, Jota, Nunez, all of them to get a game today. Uh, so, I'm. I think this is the best depth and bench that we've had. There, are, there are question marks, of course, about our backline. Like, is Van Dijk going to be able to get back to his level and things like that? We didn't replace um, Matip, all of that. But overall, I think the signs are really positive. It makes no difference what happens in the first five, eight, ten games. Uh, of the season as long as you're getting the points because everybody knows you really kick into gear only in the middle stage of the season so if you're able to pick up the points when we're still trying to kind of figure it out i am really excited about what's to come okay and uh, before we talk about chelsea which i'm not looking forward to um, any fpl tips or disasters i keep uh, forgetting that i want to mention uh, ward prowse in there because ev- the moment he, his transfer came about and he he was available i picked him up in draft as and now i put him in fantasy as well he's he's a steady bet right when it comes to points he'll at least have he'll he'll play the full game and he'll have a chance at one of the set pieces all the time and west ham as a team are good playing to those kind of strengths particularly with a fit and firing mikhail antonio so uh, that's that's one of my shouts any 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 tips from you guys should we captain haland or not just just one thing on on ward prowse and west ham now that they're finishing or they plan to finish about liverpool he better be you know he better be firing in all cylinders because you need that mikhail antonio with a with a nice uh, motivation for the liverpool players ahead of the weekend i mean i'm waiting i'm waiting for it let's let's go if if we needed any motivation it's something like that um but yeah coming to tips well i can give you what not to do uh so this week in my fpl team i made two subs and i removed trent because he wasn't going to play and i removed embuemo and i brought in madison and chilwell and i captained madison and the two of them together gave me a grand total of two points and by not by not captaining haland i also lost out on six points and i'm five points off the top of my league so yeah i'm not the person to listen to for tips this week well i used my wild card and i scored a grand total of 45 points with my wild card when the average was 44 so i'm 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 guessing uh, paul preston isn't exactly quaking in his boots when he looks at the table and, and looks at the pedigree of players at least this week hopefully hopefully this saturday is going to be different but yeah on my draft though i did i did manage to get uh, pedro neto and enzo fernandez in and i'm pretty excited about those uh, pedro neto is um, the most creative player so far statistically this season creating a lot of xg and xa um, f- um and playing for a team like wolves he's already leading the league in assists uh, playing for somebody who can't score a goal so that's a uh, i think a good good win for me i got him in for uh, fabio vieira and tossard enzo as well i'm hoping and this i'm going to rely on you chelsea boys i'm hoping <laughs> that they start scoring eventually uh, and uh, i mean i just i just don't know what to say they, they missed so many chances man oh if, if anyone is looking for any tips the only tip that you need to Uh, keep Avoid in mind this. Well, that 
and uh, Captain Haaland. That's it. The man, yeah. the man is made for FPL, and uh, the city fixtures are looking so good over the next few weeks. Anyways, Forest at home. Uh, yeah, he's going to be chopping down some trees there. But yeah, talking about Chelsea FPL assets and otherwise uh, that Nico Jackson miss, which has been memed to such an extent by people on Twitter, uh, just keeping expanding the goal and saying that, okay, he would have hit the goal if it would have been 350% bigger or 375% bigger, something like that. But it's it's crazy, man. I th- I think it's it's different from what's happening at United in terms of the fact that there doesn't seem to be off-field drama apart from if you consider what's apparently Trevor Chaluba has been frozen out and he's posting some um, self-inspirational things on his Instagram. But apart from that, the squad seems in harmony. Uh, but yeah, there's, there's just nothing happening on the pitch. It 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 appears as if uh, when Abramovich left, he left some sort of hoodoo. Forget about Paul Pogba and his brother doing hoodoos on the on the Manchester United pitch. It's it's probably Abramovich who's who's laid a stake at Stamford Bridge and saying that no one's going to score any goals. I think for 2023 or something like that, the the table for this calendar year uh, for the Premier League has Chelsea 18th or 17th. And it's not making for good reading. We have enough players. We have, I dare say, we have hungry enough players who want to succeed, particularly because they're young and they want to make a name for themselves. But it's just not clicking. Definitely the injuries don't help. You you build your attack around Nkunku in the, in the preseason. Then he gets injured the last game. And he's, he's not available yet. He won't be available till the end of the year. Um, then Reese James is out. But that's something we should be prepared for because he's he's always missing games and that's that's not a new thing. And if our finishing was such a concern that we felt that okay, Nico Jackson is probably one for the future or one for the inter, one for the mid to long term solution uh, cases, then maybe we should have gone for a Vlaovic or someone who's proven to be a goal scorer. I know I jinxed him when when I said that he scored a goal or something like that, but. Yeah, it's 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 a bit odd in terms of nothing seems to be coming off for Chelsea. There doesn't seem to be a lack of intent, but there's just nothing that seems to be coming off. So yeah, that's my rant. Well, that was a pretty docile rant, if I if I do say so myself. <laughs> and I, I think I think we are going really close to a um, a, a prediction coming true of a panic buy of Ivan Tony in January. What, what, mm-hmm. what do you think about that? Because it's very clear that the chances are getting created and it's also very clear that they're not getting taken. And as much as Nico Jackson is really positive and you have a lot of nice things to say about the way he plays and the chances he creates, you got to start scoring them uh, at some stage. You can operate at a little lower than XG, but you have to start scoring some goals um, in such games. Nil-nil like this weekend was a definite loss of two points. I'm just concerned. Uh, apparently, there was this news that uh, Boli will only has only been considering players who are 24 or 25 and below, and that is the reason why James Madison was not purchased this summer because he's 26. So, I don't know if Todd Boli's taken some inspiration from Leonardo DiCaprio because if that's the case, Ivan Tony is 27, so he's not getting bought. He seems like a very rich Arsene Wenger. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, Arsene Wenger uh, is the mixcrouged to uh, to Boli's billionaire 
But yeah, I mean that's a that's a good point actually. That his age is something that is going to come into it. They're very clearly going young, and but yeah, that's the criticism of this strategy, right? Like, mm. where's the mix of experience in all the departments? So Tiago Silva, yes, you have maybe Chilwell is considered experience, yes. In midfield, I don't, I don't, I don't know whether you can even call somebody like Enzo experienced. Caicedo definitely not. So. you need at least some leadership across the team across the spine and at forward they definitely don't have that um at midfield also they arguably don't have that so yeah there are some question marks about you need, i think a couple of exceptions are required somebody with pedigree somebody with who can serve a role for 2 3 years i think that can be a very big difference for chelsea I think Ab Ab did say though that even if we buy Tony, remember that this is a guy who's not played for nine months. So when he comes in, will he be rusty? And then do we start panicking again? Because as it is, I think right now we've got Jackson, and Kunku is out. Obviously, if Jackson gets an injury, Broha is still not completely fit. I don't know who starts at number nine then. If Jackson gets injured, and that is after a billion pounds worth of spending, so. of course the spending doesn't make sense if you look at it in that way because you've just ended up spending 120 on caicedo so yeah a so bit... this is like going with such unheralded gems and expecting them to deliver success right from the go or get go success meaning at least the top 4 or something of that sort and spending one one or one or so many billions of pounds It's a bit of a gamble. And if you're a gambling man, I think Ivan Tony is your man. Well, we shall see. We're playing Aston Villa this weekend. I don't know if I should hold out much hope. But uh, the game to look out for this weekend definitely coming finally to our talky game to watch. As Ashwin said, the North London derby, Arsenal versus Tottenham Hotspurs. Both teams in great form. Who's going to give? Something's got to give. Who is it going to be? I'm going to put my stick my neck out here and say I'm going Spurs. Um I just just too much positivity about Spurs so far. I'm loving it. everything that I'm seeing from them on the pitch as well. Um there's a lot of skill, a lot of excitement, a lot of passion in that play. Uh all the youngsters are really impressive. I'm thinking I'm thinking uh, this would be the perfect crowning moment for the early crowning moment for Ange Ball. So yeah, I'm going Spurs this time. I think it's a tough one uh, for sure and I can't I can't believe I'm saying that about Spurs with you know how they have been over the last few seasons but I I think I'm going for Arsenal I think uh, I I know I mentioned that I'm not fully convinced with them at this point I think this this would be one of the games where they actually uh, you know um, make their mark and convince us that they are the real deal They of course they pushed City to the limit last season, so we know the mentality is there. Uh, I'm gonna go for Arsenal, especially so with Jesus home. back. They are at home, and you would expect them to win. So when I say Spurs, I'm I'm considering even a draw is is a win for 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 my prediction in that case. But yeah, I'm I'm going for Spurs to get something out of that game. Um, but yeah, I, I think we I've gone for Spurs. Ashwin's gone for. Uh, Arsenal swag. You can just cut right down the middle and say nil nil draw. <laughs> yeah, no, I'll, I'll, I'm probably leaning more towards Arsenal just because of the fact that it's, it's at home, and they seem to be in a habit of not giving up and and keeping going till the end. And as you said uh, during our review, that Jesus coming back seems to have a big impact on them. So I'm, I'm, I'm leaning towards um, Arsenal. 
Spurs did need a lot of stoppage time to beat Sheffield United at home. So I'm I'm leaning Arsenal here. Yeah, I mean, there are a couple of other interesting games this week as well, right? So, you called out um, Chelsea and Villa. I think that's going to be an interesting one. Villa look really dangerous with 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 their their wingers, lightning quick wingers. Watkins still hasn't got his scoring boots on, but they look really dangerous. Uh, Liverpool, West Ham also is a big one. Yeah. And and I think uh, with all these comments from Antonio etc., there there's going to be some bark in the bite in in this game. There's going to be a lot of needle on the pitch, so that'll be fun to watch out for. Yeah, I just want Darwin to start. I think another thing that was very clear from the first half against Wolves is that Gakpo and Jota both look to come towards the ball, and we weren't stretching the team. Anywhere close to enough. That all that changed immediately when Diaz came on and he was stretching the play so beautifully. When Darwin came on, we just doubled down on that and absolutely opened up Wolves. I just need Darwin to start or and definitely Diaz to start. Ideally, both. That will be a really, really tough challenge for the West Ham guys to deal with. Okay. On that note, listeners, uh, I hope you had fun and uh, you enjoyed this uh, episode before the weekend's action. And let us know in the comments what your FPL picks are. Are there any obvious ones we've missed or are there any hidden gems which could help Radhaji bridge that five-point gap to the top of the mini-league table? But um, on that note, uh, we wish you a fond farewell and hopefully we'll see you back next week with a larger panel. Bye-bye.